Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, September 12, 2021, we continue our new series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, Not Ashamed of the Gospel, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. We cannot deny the fact that Jesus Christ himself is the gospel and that it is the gospel that Paul longs here to share with the people in Rome. You see, Paul understands that the gospel not only saves people as a one-time event, but he understands that it's a lifestyle that compels us to be thankful for any and all circumstances. There is nothing in the gospel of which we have any cause to be ashamed. Ask yourself, what keeps me from sharing the gospel with the person on my left and my right? Don't just be ready. Know that you are eager because you are obligated. Because he bought your debt. He redeemed you, set you free from the bondage of sin so that you, you, would glorify him by advancing his kingdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love music. Um, I've loved music my whole life. Like, I can't contain it. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I just love it. Like, we'll be in the car, and there will be no music on, and I'll just be humming just because, and my wife will be like, There's, what are you doing? There's not even music. I just, I don't know, babe. Full the joy of the Lord, I guess. You should try it. I don't know. Like, I just love, I love to sing. And like, even uh, with worship, like I do all the things, like all, uh, like the righteous revolvers. We had some people down front rocking one of them. Sometimes we go two of them. Or um, it's like the, like the, the halfway surrender. Like, not fully, but I'm working on it. And uh, the faithful field goal, you ever do this one where it's like, you're just doing a great job. There's just all this, uh, there's this, this like this, the sainthood step. Like, there's all these goofy things. Um, they just happen, and it's, I just love music. And as far as I rewind in my life, like I've always loved music. And there's these moments where I think my love for music was born, and then and then just grew. One of them was the release of the greatest album of all time, the greatest album of all time from the greatest band of all time. You can't argue against this. It was, it was 1997. Um, this band was. Amazing. Right away, some of you were like, 97, music died in 94. Like, there's nothing that's been good. You're, you're wrong. Let me just say you're wrong. Um, this band, amazing. Like, their lyrical content, like, spoke right to my heart. Their sense of fashion, like, puka shells and frosted tips. Like, they looked amazing. Everything was just fantastic. 1997, it's their breakthrough album, first album ever, greatest band of all time, greatest album, you can't argue this, NSYNC. I don't know why you're laughing, sharing my heart with you. I would sit on the couch with my friends and we would just sing this album. Like word, we just start in, in song one and we would go all the way through the last one and it was, it was great. And what I realized is that most of my friends did not agree. Kind of like most of you. <laughs> like you just, you just think I'm wrong. Um, and that's fine, you're entitled to your own opinion. I'll just say you're wrong. Uh, so, so what I would do, I'd, with like some friends, I'd be like, yeah, let's sing and sing together. And other friends would be like, bro, I'm not doing that. 
That is not a good band. That is not a good album. That is, it is everything about what you're saying is just wrong right now. And I was like, oh, did I? I said NSYNC. I meant to say like The Offspring. Uh, I meant to say Blink-182. I meant to say Nirvana. Like that's, that's what I meant. Let's go be grungy and cool. Uh, and, and, and so what, what I would do is I'd like be one way with some people. And then if they didn't accept that, I'd kind of just like, oh, my bad. Like, and we do this with all sorts of stuff, not just with music. Um, let's talk about food. And you can't argue. If you, if you argue this, you are just wrong and you're ignorant, okay? Um, the best food of all time is tacos. It's just it's a factual statement. Um, the greatest sports team in all of human history is the Bears. Like, you can't argue, no, stop it. It is the best team. You're not allowed. But, but here's the video. We, we talk about this and, man, the, the, the greatest this, the greatest that, and things we really care about and we're excited about. And when that's met with some resistance, rather than, like, standing our ground, oftentimes we kind of just, we backpedal. We backpedal, either when it's something really, really meaningful to us. And sadly, as believers, when we're talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, where we love Jesus, we care about Jesus, we've given our lives to Jesus, we share the gospel, and oftentimes it's met with some resistance. Right? And rather than standing our ground, we tend to do the same thing like I did with NSYNC. It was like, oh, maybe wrong crowd, I guess. Wrong group of friends. I guess I said the wrong thing to the wrong people. And, and this is what we do. And it comes from, from a lot of things. Maybe it's just fear that they won't accept us. Maybe it's fear that uh, we just don't know about, about the gospel. Maybe it's because uh, we're just not the best example. Or, or maybe it's because we don't want, like, uh, what if they don't approve us? And really, I just, I just want to be approved, which is why we do most of anything we do in life, so others will accept us. And if, if it's like a rough spot in this relationship, I don't know if I want to uh, increase that. So what we end up doing with the gospel is we kind of just shut down, we clam up, and ultimately we shut our mouths. What we're going to see in our passage um, this morning is an answer to that problem. Five reasons of why we should be and can be unashamed of the good news of Jesus. So I'd invite you again, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, as we talk about being unashamed of the gospel. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one around you in a seat back. Go ahead, take that um, steal it, read it, believe it, do what it says, and I promise your life will be changed forever. Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17. Let me read and then I'll pray. It says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray. God, while it's my voice that's heard, we know it's your word that's been spoken. And this morning, we trust your word as the authority for our life. God, if the communities around us and the culture around us disagree with what your word says, um, would we realize that it's not the Bible that's wrong, but it's the world around us? God, we submit ourselves to you this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd open our eyes, that we would see you. You'd open our ears, that we'd hear you. You'd open our mind, that we'd know you. And you'd open our hearts, that we would love you. And as a result of everything said and done this morning, you'd open, you would open our mouths so we could speak with courage and confidence in a way that's not ashamed of the good news concerning Jesus Christ. God, everything we do this morning is for your glory and your glory alone. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Chap Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17, beginning in verse 16, Paul says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. What a wonderful, wonderful statement that each of us should be able to make 
in our life, but not just give it lip service, actually back it up with the way that we live our life. Two words I want to point out real quick from this verse. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The first word is this word, gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the word, it means good news, and it's the good news concerning Jesus. A few weeks ago, we introduced this, these Romans road cards, and we've, we've kind of referred back to them several times. These Roman roads cards is a resource we've made available to you. They're at Info Central. I'd encourage you to grab just a stack of them after service um, and rehearse them so you can day in and day out preach the gospel to yourself, but then also share the gospel with those who are around you in your life. And Romans road is five verses. It begins with Romans chapter three. And Romans chapter three, verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone's a sinner. Okay, your perfect grandma, your sweet mom, your good neighbor who goes to church a lot. Everyone's a sinner. Every single person. Romans 6, 23 is a follow-up. It says, Romans 3, all have sin. Romans 6, the wages of that sin is death. There's consequences for our actions. If you're a parent, you know this. You tell this to your kids. There are consequences for your actions. The wages of sin is death. The back half of that verse, Romans 6, 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, there's consequences for sin, but God offers a gift instead. Who's the gift? The gift is Jesus. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, that means Jesus didn't die for us because we're lovely he, he died for us to actually make us lovely. It means he didn't die for us because he saw just how righteous we were. He died for us to actually make us righteous. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10 says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, and don't forget the and, because this isn't just about lip service. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. We confess that Jesus is the Lord. We confess that he is who he says he is. We confess and we believe the gospel is true. We believe that he came and lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, even if we tried to. We, we believe that he died the death you and I deserve to die and that in doing so, he satisfied God's wrath and the penalty for our sin, but that he didn't stay dead. He came back to life so that in Christ, when we trust in him, you and I can truly live. Final part of Romans Road, Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. You're in Christ forever. That's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. Each of us should preach that good news to ourselves, but we should also be sharing that good news around us. The first part of this said, I, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed. This word ashamed also has ties to the word offended. Now, why would people be offended by the gospel? You know, Christians oftentimes say, well, the gospel's offensive. No, it's not. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. People are offended by it, but it's not offensive in and of itself. The gospel is good news. And he says, I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm not offended. Well, why might people be offended? Well, the gospel says that we're spiritual failures who can't save ourselves. That people can be offended by that. It says salvation needs to be a gift that you can't work your way towards it. The gospel says we're so evil that someone actually had to die, had to die because of our evil actions. The gospel says there's only one way to Jesus. So if someone else is on a different way, it says that way's wrong, even though some people have devoted their entire life to that other way. The gospel says that's not the way. 
The gospel says, while we think we're free, we're actually not. We're slaves to our sin apart from Christ. The gospel says all of these things. So some people, it's not met with good news. It's actually met with resistance. I mean, if you look throughout the scriptures, they killed Jesus for it. They killed a lot of his apostles for it. Christians around the world are still dying because of it. And you and I probably face some kind of persecution in our life when we're bold about it. People can be offended by it. So what's our sinful tendency? Well, it's just like I did with NSYNC. Well, actually, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to say that Jesus was the only way. Like, that's my truth. My truth is that Jesus is the only way, but if, I mean, I guess your truth can be your truth and my truth can be my truth, right? Not when one says the other one's a lie. Well, you're not like a, like a sinner sinner. You're just like kind of a sinner. You're not that bad. I mean, the, that guy over there, whoa, that guy's bad. You're not that bad though. So when Jesus looks at you, he's kind of like, oh, I'd, I'd like to have that guy. That's a pretty good guy. Let's save him. We preach the gospel. We talk about the gospel. That when it's met with some type of offense, our tendency is to be fearful and, and we're, we're ashamed. So we end up ultimately backpedaling. So what we see in this passage um, is five reasons. Five reasons you and I ought to be unashamed of the gospel. The first reason is this. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. When we read or hear the word gospel, the first thing we should think is good news. Good news. The gospel is good news. And what is good news for? Good news is to be welcomed. It's to be shared. It's to be celebrated. Right? If if there's something going on in your life, students, let's say like you got a bad grade. I know we just started school. Hot start. I'm, I'm happy you're there and trying and whatnot. But let's say like we're struggling and uh, math, because math's the worst. Unless you love math, then I guess it's a really cool thing for you. I'm really happy you love math. Um, but let's say it's math, okay? Uh, and like, yeah, they're like, yes, that's what it is. I knew it. Uh, and, and you're not doing good. Like you're working real hard. And then we get through first quarter, like still not doing great. We get like midway through second quarter and you see that thing start turning around. You get to winter break and your math score has gone up. That's good news. Right, none of us would be like, oh, well, I don't want to tell anyone. What if like they don't, man, what if they don't like math? No, you're probably like, hey, mom, dad, I, I turned this thing around. Look at this, this is awesome. And I'm like, awesome, we're having pizza. Parents, if your math grade's good, get your kid pizza. Uh, and it's celebrated. It's, it, and, or, or let's say it's a relationship thing or there's some breakup in relationship or some break in friendship or like a family feud going on and that's not a good deal. But then by the grace of God, that thing gets resolved. Like that is welcome, that's shared, that's celebrated. That's really good news. Let's say you lost your job over the last year and a half and by the grace of God, he provided a new job, maybe even a better job, one, a job that you like more, a job that meets like you're, you're fulfilled, you're calling, you're gifting, like better than before, like that should be celebrated and shared. Let's say hypothetically you lose your kid at Disney World <laughs> and then someone finds your kid, that's really good news. You should celebrate that. Why? It's hypothetical, right? <laughs> you celebrate. You're excited. You're like, this is really, really good news. A gospel means good news. While we celebrate these other good things, the gospel is not just a good thing. The gospel is a great thing. The gospel is the best thing. 
If we're gonna welcome and celebrate and share any type of news in our life, the gospel is worthy of every single moment. We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is good news. Second reason we should be unashamed of the gospel, the gospel is power. The gospel is power. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God. The gospel doesn't just have some power. The gospel doesn't just display some power. Uh, It is power. The gospel itself is power. The power of who? The power of God. The power of God. Well, who's God? Who's that guy? He's that, that guy that created everything, right? Ex nihilo, out of nothing, spoke it and it was there. He's that one who's sovereign over all things. He's that one who's sustaining each of us even now as we're sitting in service. That guy, the one in control of everything, the one worthy of all honor, all glory, all praise. The one who even the rocks cry out. The one who the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his handiwork. That one, that God, God, this is his power. The gospel is his power. Now, many of us, uh, if you had a superpower, you'd use the superpower, right? You would. If you could fly, you would fly, right? If you could put your hand on a book and immediately absorb all of that information by osmosis and never have to flip a page again, unless you like reading, then you would do that. (laughs) You'd do that. You'd be like, bam, perfect osmosis into my brain. I understand everything. If you could be invisible, which none of us would like because that's the creepiest power to have, you would do it. We would do it. If we had that power available, we would use that power. And friends, this is like the, the most powerful thing we could unleash in the world ever. It's the gospel. This is the power of God and God has given it in us. He's entrusted it to us to go unleash its power all throughout our communities. Why should we be ashamed of it? It's the power of God. And and Paul knew this. His total ministry was um, impacted and built upon it. Take your Bible real quick and turn to the right. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians. It's one book to the right. You might be like 10, 15 pages from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Grab your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says this. Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he says, And when I came to you, brothers... I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty, with lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't come to you talking about God with lofty speech and wisdom. In other words, I didn't bring like my best of sermon series. Okay, when we spent time together, it wasn't in this perfectly manicured five-point sermon outline where each point started with the same letter or rhymed somehow. I didn't bring any of that. I didn't come to you with lofty speech. I didn't come to you to impress and use big words. I didn't come with like the best logic. He he says, I didn't even come with wisdom, which is interesting because later on in 1 Corinthians, it says the Jews sought signs. So if you wanted to win Jews over, you'd talk about signs. And it says the Greeks, everyone else that's not a Jew, you know what they sought? They sought wisdom. So it would have been perfectly right and perfectly okay and made logical sense for Paul to come into that church and just make great explanations for things and show wisdom. Okay, here's how this makes sense. Here's the answers to all of your big questions. Here's the logical explanation for why we can trust in Jesus. 
Paul says, when I came to you talking about the testimonies of God, I didn't come to you with perfect outlines. I didn't come to you with perfect logic. He says, I decided to know nothing among you, which he knew a lot. Okay, when it comes to like seminaries of his time, he went to the best place you could go to, the best school, the best training. The dude was legit. He knew a lot of stuff. And he says, I decided to know nothing among what? Among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. I didn't come to you with great speeches. I didn't come to you with, with, with lofty speech. I didn't come to you with perfect explanations and great wisdom. All I can, I just brought the gospel. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And otherwise, life was hard when I was with you. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. Again, I wasn't trying to lay this thing out perfect so you would respond in a certain way, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I came with the gospel and I came with the Holy Spirit. I needed nothing else. All I needed was the power of God and the gospel and God himself to move on people's hearts and that was plenty. He says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. For Paul, when people left his meetings and left his sermons, if people left his sermon thinking, man, like that guy could preach, what a great preacher, preacher for him, that was a failure. What he wanted people leaving was not thinking, what a great preacher. He wanted people leaving thinking, what a great God. What a great Jesus. What a great gospel. That really is good news. That was the power, and Paul knew it. So he built everything. Everything for him came back to the gospel. Friends, the gospel is God's power, and that is nothing for us to be ashamed of. The third reason we should be unashamed, the gospel saves The gospel says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, good news, for it is the power of God for what? For salvation. For salvation to everyone who believes. Where does the gospel start? The gospel starts with us being sinners. It's bad news. Bad news, we're sinners separated separated from God by our sin. But good news, God did something about it to save us. John chapter three, verses 16 through 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, He so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be what? Saved through him. This message of the gospel, this is responding to this message in faith and responding to this message with trust, that's what people get saved through. Not something else, not some other way, even if they're sincere about it. Just because someone's sincere about what they believe, it doesn't make that belief right. Okay, if your kid comes to you in the morning and they're sincere that they believe their teeth are brushed well enough, you can know, that, yeah, I know you're sincere, but you're just sincerely wrong. Your teeth are disgusting. Go do it again. I know you're sincere, but you're just wrong. We have so many people around us who believe so many different things and they're so sincere about them. Well, we know the way. We know the way. Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. Jesus is the way and we know that way. We have people all around us living life like as long as you pick a trail and stay true to it, you'll end up to God who's at the top of the mountain. The Bible says those other trails lead nowhere good. 
There's one way, and that's through Jesus. Think about it this way. Let's say you get in an Uber, you're going to the airport to catch a flight. You know the way to the airport. There's one way to the airport from your house. Uber driver picks you up halfway there, takes a weird left turn. Now, the non-confrontational folks, you're like, we'll see where we're going. (laughs) Guess I'm not going to get there. The rest of the sane people, they would be like, hey, bro, that's the wrong way. That's the, there's one way to the airport. You're going the wrong way. No, 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 no. This is a, I've taken this way before. It's a new way, I think. I heard about this from a friend. He said that if I shaved, like if I took a left here, I could kind of shave some time off from doing all this other stuff. He said this one was easier. It's actually an easier way. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. There's only the one way. Well, no, this is a shortcut. This is a shortcut, see, because if I go this way, we're going to get there too. We're going to, or, or just leave me alone. Let me live. I'm the driver. You called me. I'm the driver. Okay, and you might say, listen, bro, I've been down that road before. It's a dead end. There's nothing down there. There's nothing good down there. Eventually, you're going to realize it and have to flip a UE and come back out this way. And this is where the metaphor ends because a lot of people are living their lives around us who are on one of these dead end roads and aren't aware of it. I know I'm on this road. I'm trying to be happy and I'm trying to be fulfilled. And the best way for me to be fulfilled and satisfied is through sex. It's through money. It's through wealth. It's through fame. So for me, that's the road I'm going to travel. And many of us have traveled that road before. And our responsibility as Christians who know the way is to tell that guy, bro, I've been down that road before. And I know you think at the end there's satisfaction and it's, it's going to feel so good, but dude, it's just death. It's empty. I know that way is shiny and flashy and promises so much, but it's just empty lies. There's nothing down there but death. This is the gospel. We have people all around us on these roads and, and we know the way. We have the directions. We know the way to get to God. It's through Jesus through the gospel. That is the message. That is the good news that saves. And that good news is nothing for us to be ashamed of. The fourth thing, the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who what? Who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, this is hard for us sometimes because all of us have that one person or two people or a lot of people in our life where we're like, okay, I know the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, but pretty sure that guy's too far gone. Like, I know, I guess God could save that guy, but I don't know if he would because he's so far out there. That guy's real bad, real bad. Now, some of you, you're sitting here and you're like, hey, I was that guy. I was that girl. I was that one that other people actually gave up on, but because of the grace of God, someone spoke up. I was that one who was way out there. I was that one who got saved by God from so much that was going on in my life where other people actually gave up on me. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. 
Even the ones who we think are so far gone and so far out there and way too bad to ever be loved and forgiven by Jesus. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The Pharisees struggled with this. Jesus oftentimes spent time with sinners and tax collectors. The Pharisees came to Jesus' disciples and they said, yo, why is he spending time with sinners? Shouldn't he be spending time with people like us? And Jesus overheard. He said, Haha, guess what? I didn't come for you. I came for sinners. That's who he came for. He came for the people who knew they were sinners. Not the people who thought they were good enough by their own self-righteousness. Paul was one of these guys. Remember who Paul was before he met Jesus? He was a persecutor of the church. Traveled the world arresting Christians and throwing them in prison. In fact, the day he met Jesus, he was on his way to go persecute more Christians. Jesus shows up, says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's response, because he knows who it is, he says, who are you, Lord? Guy's life is radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus, by Jesus himself. So God shows up to this dude, Ananias, in a vision and says, Ananias, I've got a visitor coming to you. His name is Paul. And Ananias is like, nope, not me. You know who that guy is, God? That's the guy who's been persecuting Christians and throwing people in jail. He says, yeah, I know. I have a calling upon his life to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And I'll show him how much he has to suffer for it. Even Paul, a guy that in the early church thought was way too far gone, that's the guy that Jesus turns around totally to be used for the gospel, for amazing, amazing things, greatest missionary of all time. That's who he was. And we have these people in our life, and the gospel is for everyone, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's this little tag on to that. It says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We're talking about God's um, plan of salvation and history of salvation with his chosen people, the Jews, how God interacted primarily with those people. But now, gospel's for everyone. Everyone who believes, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 17 says this, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith For faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Fifth reason we should be and can be and ought to be unashamed of the gospel is because believing in the gospel of Jesus makes us right with God. It's through believing in the gospel of Jesus that we are made right with God. We're sinners who can't save ourselves, but our tendency is to do what? To try to save ourselves. To kind of tip the scales. As long as our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, then surely God will stand before God someday and he'll say, you did a pretty bad job, but you did a little better than you did bad. So I guess you can come in. This is not how this works. We can't save ourselves. No one's righteous. No, not one. No one seeks after God. We can't be righteousness on our own. We actually need the righteousness of Christ in order for us to be made righteous. So again, God did something amazing. This is the message of the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, for our sake, for our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is oftentimes referred to as the great exchange, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus got the short end of the stick on this one. Okay, because he gives us his what? He gives us his righteousness. 
Why are we righteous? Because God has given us the righteousness of his son. In exchange for what? I get Jesus' righteousness. Guess what I gave him? All my sin. Why is it? He's it for my sake. For our sake. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Philippians chapter three, verse nine, it says, we're found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law because there is none, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Righteousness doesn't come from us. Righteousness comes from Jesus. Righteousness comes from placing our faith, our trust, our hope, in the person and work of Christ and Christ alone. He makes a statement. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. In other words, it's totally by faith. The Christian life is one long experience of faith. It starts with faith when we place our faith in Jesus. And then it's not as if that, from that day forward, we say, hey God, thanks for saving me. Double fist bump. I've got this now. Someday I'll see you again, but for now, I'm going to do my best. No, the Christian life, it starts with faith, and then it stays with faith day after day after day after day. Why? Because the righteous shall live by faith. It's through that faith we're made righteous, and through that faith we live our life trusting in Jesus day by day. We should not be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the gospel that makes us right with God. I'm going to invite the band out. Uh, We'll close with another song momentarily. The righteous shall live by faith. I love that statement. We should live by faith. Well, we should live by faith in what? Uh, Everything. We should be faithful in all situations. We should place our faith in Jesus in all situations. But certainly when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to how we handle the gospel. When it comes to how we share the gospel when it comes to the opportunities we have with the gospel. The righteous, you and I, we ought to live by faith. I don't know about you. I I sometimes feel like um, I can be courageous with my Christian friends. Right? But then I feel like a coward in the community. I hate that about myself. Courageous with Christians, coward in the community. I don't want to be that guy anymore. I want to be that guy. I don't want to keep having these opportunities in my life where an opportunity comes up for me to share the gospel. And then I start to, but it's met with some resistance, so I backpedal and say, ah, I don't know. Not sure what I'm going to say next. I didn't prepare for that question. I didn't have a great week, and they know it. I'm not the best example right now. I thought our relationship was going in the right direction, but now they're not responding well. I don't want this relationship to end. So I treat the gospel and and the presentation of it like it has something to do with me. Like if I don't say it right, if I don't do it right, if I'm not living right, then it has no power. But that's just not the case. Gospel doesn't need my help. It doesn't need my help. The gospel is the power of God. Friends, let's just be unashamed and unleash that power in our life. Maybe it's your workplace, maybe it's your school, maybe it's your gym, your golf course, the grocery store, your mom's groups, your book clubs, whatever it might be, whatever community God has placed you in, let's be faithful. 
the righteous shall live by faith. Luke chapter nine, verse 26 says this, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels. May that never be us. May we not be a church who's ashamed of the gospel. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Gospel's good news. Gospel's power. Gospel saves. The gospel is for everyone. It's the gospel that makes us right with God. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Let me give you um, maybe three ways you could respond in obedience to this text. Uh, First way would be this. Let's pray for opportunities this week. Let's pray for opportunities to be faithful with the gospel. God, would you bring some people into my life? And you know what's probably going to happen is you're going to realize just how many opportunities you have. And that living the Christian life isn't so much about constantly going out to find people, but being faithful with the people that God actually brings to you. Being faithful in those opportunities. Pray for the opportunity. Look for the opportunity. And when it presents itself, seize that opportunity and be faithful with it. We had a woman who was at our Thursday night service this week and she took this application to heart. So she started praying Thursday night right after church, God, would you give me opportunities this week to be faithful with the gospel? Sure enough, first thing, Friday morning, gets a phone call from a friend. A bunch of stuff going on. Life's really hard. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's like God just like, hey, you you asked for this, remember? You asked for opportunities. Uh, So I asked her, well, what did you do? She said, well, I kind of do what I always do. I kind of backpedaled. I had good intentions, and then I was ashamed, and then I was afraid, and I'm like, hey, there's, there's grace. You know, God forgives that. And she says, well, I'm not done with my story. Said, Sorry. <laughs> okay, continue. I just felt like, man, God was convicting me and put it on my heart. I had to do something. So I just called her back. I didn't know what to say. So all I said was, you know, that situation is hard and life is hard, but I just need you to know Jesus loves you and I love you and I'm going to be praying for you and I'd love to be praying with you and we're going to get through this thing because nothing is out of Jesus's control. He loves you and he's got this. I said, well, what'd she do? She just said, that would be awesome. And then we prayed together. Well, it wasn't so bad, was it? She prayed for the opportunity. She saw the opportunity. You know, at first she didn't do great. She felt the conviction of God in her life and went back out and pursued her and loved her with the love of Jesus. Let's look for those opportunities. When we see them, let's utilize them. Be faithful with them. Second thing, um, if you've been a believer for a while or maybe you're a new believer and have never been baptized, that's something God calls us to. That's a perfect opportunity for us to stand in front of the church and declare our faith, to be courageous here in the church to start so we can also be courageous out in the community. We have a baptism coming up in a couple weeks. If that's you, if you want to go public and be courageous with your faith, head out to Info Central after the service. Um, and we'd love to help you take that next step in following Jesus. Um, third thing, there's a, probably some of you here, maybe you have heard this good news before, and maybe you're thinking that's just old news. You know, it might be old, but it's still good. It's still good. And it's good news that you need, and it's good news you need to accept. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning, if you would, to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to invite you to go ahead, bow your heads, and close your eyes. Um, Maybe you've heard the gospel before. Maybe you've never heard the gospel before. Uh, I 
I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. The Bible says we're sinners. We've been talking about this. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one even seeks after him. The Bible says there's a penalty for that. There's a wage for that, a price that has to be paid for our sin. And the Bible says that penalty is death. But God did something amazing. Instead of allowing us to pay that penalty, he sent his son to pay that penalty on our behalf. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. It's a perfect life that you and I can't live. And then he died a death that you and I deserve to die. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating death that in Christ, you and I, when we trust him, can truly live. The Bible says when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. Man, if you're here this morning and you haven't called upon the name of the Lord, if you're here this morning and you haven't confessed with your mouth that he is the Lord, if you're here this morning and you haven't believed that God raised him from the dead, I'd invite you to do that this morning. There's no magic recipe. There's no magic prayer. Just in your own words, talk to God and just tell him, man, I'm a sinner. I realize it. Thank you for forgiving me. God, help me trust you as my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what you did on the cross. Thank you for defeating death, defeating sin, and being the way, the truth, and the life. God, we thank you for the gospel this morning. God, we know it is the good news. We know that it is power. God, we know that it is what saves us. We know that it is for everyone, and we know that it is what makes us right with God. God, would you help us not be ashamed of those truths this week? God, I pray for opportunities for us to each be sharing the gospel within our communities. And God, as we see those opportunities, would we be faithful and respond in faith because the gospel truly is the power of God for those who believe. God, we love you. We praise you. Give you all the glory. And all God's people said, amen. Now, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come down forward. Man, if you've decided to follow Jesus this morning, if you're calling upon the name of the Lord um, to be saved this morning, I'd invite you to come pray with one of them, come talk with one of them. They would love to help you take your next step in following Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, all throughout the New Testament, the good news of Jesus was oftentimes met with skepticism, oftentimes met with criticism, and oftentimes even met with hatred. But a lot of times people responded in faith, and they said yes. They said, yes, I confess with my mouth, I believe with my heart, I call upon the name of the Lord. All throughout the scriptures, lives were transformed by the gospel of Jesus because people like us were just faithful with it. Would we be faithful with it this week? Would we pray for those opportunities to be unashamed of the gospel? Would we look for those opportunities to be unashamed of the gospel? And when we see them show up in our life, would we be faithful? and truly live a confident, courageous life that's unashamed of the good news of Jesus. Amen? Go be confident. Love each other. We love you guys. See you next week.